Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. A number of years ago, I was uh, driving with my wife down Interstate 75, uh, headed to Atlanta. It was a trip we'd made numerous times, and um, we were, uh, let's just say, well accustomed to the route. We were on 75 between Chattanooga and Atlanta, and all of a sudden, I saw this debris in the road up ahead. Um, I mean, from time to time, something falls off a truck. I once had a sofa fall off a truck right in front of me. Had to dodge it. Um, But, I mean, here was this debris I could see, and then I got a little closer, and wow, there was a lot of debris. There were pieces of sheet metal. There were pieces of insulation. There were two-by-fours. I mean, like broken two-by-fours in the road. And I thought, this is ridiculous. Who left this trash here? And as I got closer, there was more of it. I mean, it was in all lanes. And I was just astounded. And I looked over to the side thinking, who made this mess? And what I saw on the side of the road was the trees that were splintered and more pieces of buildings and debris. And I said, it looks like a tornado came through here. And lo and behold, that's exactly what it was. Moments before we got there, a tornado had hit that area, destroyed homes, destroyed businesses. It was a very damaging tornado in North Georgia. I'd never seen so much mess in the interstate. But at least now I understood what had happened. Do you ever look around at this world and wonder, who made this mess? Where did all this come from? Why are things broken? Why are people broken? What happened? I want to talk to you this morning about the family that blew it. I want to talk to you about why there's such a mess. Where did it go wrong? Who drilled this enormous hole in the bottom of this beautiful boat so that now it doesn't float, it sinks? What happened? Look in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. 
beginning in verse 26. We'll read through verse 31. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, And all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Sounds like paradise. Sounds like a happy situation. Is anybody getting sick? No. Anybody dying? No. Anything going wrong? No. Everybody getting along? Yes. It was very good. So what happened? How did we end up with a mess? Well, you know the story of what comes next. Adam and Eve living in a garden paradise, literally, were tempted tempted to disobey God. And our first parents blew it. The serpent tempted Eve, and Eve, instead of obeying God, obeyed the serpent and ate the one fruit that was forbidden. The fruit that was on the tree in the center of the garden. Everything else was available. But that was the one thing that was off limits. And so that was the one thing that became so desirable. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation where you've got, you could do this, 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 but I don't want to, I want to do that. Why? Because they said I couldn't. We inherited big problem. But it all goes back to our first parents. Handy to have someone to blame, isn't it? You can go into therapy and say, well, the reason I'm a mess is because of my mom. The reason I'm a mess is because of my dad. But it goes way back beyond them. Where'd they get their problems? It goes all the way back to the beginning. Folks, recently I've gotten quite a few phone calls from people around the country who are struggling with uh, uncertainty, anxiety, wondering how to live in these current times with the things that are happening nationally and internationally, politically and economically. 
uh, health-wise, all kinds of things that are causing people to be anxious. And in answering those questions and trying to provide biblical counsel, I've often gone back to things that I wrote several years ago in a book that a number of people have found a great help. And so I want to offer that book right now to you at a discounted price. If you go on our website, you'll find that the price on Living Well in Babylon has been marked down to $10. That is a limited-time offer. As you know, if you listen to this program regularly, we don't do a lot of merchandising. We don't sell things on this show. But I do want to make this book available to you, so we've lowered the price to $10. And if you'd like to get a copy, details will follow in a moment as to how you can do so. But Living Well in Babylon is simply 10 lessons from the book of Daniel that offer encouragement to believers about how to serve the Lord in a country that is hostile to God. What do you do in order to be faithful to him when the government and the people around you are not? I hope that you'll consider getting Living Well in Babylon because I believe it'll bless you. To get your copy of Living Well in Babylon, visit our website at wvr.org and click on Books. Or call us at 866-41-ABIDE. That's 866-412-2433. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is goes all the way back to the beginning. The serpent tempted them. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, chapter 3, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Ever since, ever since that happened, we've been in a mess. Theologians talk about original sin. What they're talking about is not just that first sin in the garden. They're talking about the consequences of that, which have to do with our alienation from God, our being separated from him in terms of relationship, so that instead of running toward God, we run from him. So that we have shame and guilt I say, well, why would we be blamed for something they did? You're not being blamed for something they did. You've inherited their disease. If you look in Romans chapter 3, we have a description of the human track record. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, 
And this is a series of quotes from the Old Testament. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery marks their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. All of us have sinned. That's the human race track record. It's not some of us sin. Now, let me tell you this. Some people do it a lot more colorfully than others. Okay? Some people's sin is very conspicuous so that even other sinners look at them and say, ooh. But the fact is, if you get a glimpse of God, you'll say like Isaiah did, woe is me, I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in the same situation, ultimately. If I were to take you to the beach on a Bible memory trip, we have some folks who are anticipating going very soon. If I were to take you to the beach on a Bible memory trip, and we lined up along the shore and said, all right, first one to England gets a million dollars. Start swimming. And we dive in and we start swimming. I would probably be the first to drown. Okay? I'm not a great swimmer. I can swim. I even passed junior life-saving with the Red Cross. But um, that's as far as I got. I never got my senior life-saving thing. I would, I would drown within sight of shore. People would stand on the beach and watch the old man go under for the last time. But let's suppose that some of our students here are great swimmers and fabulously fit, and they make it all the way out over the 10-mile horizon. When you're standing on shore looking out there, the horizon is roughly 10 miles out because of the curvature of the earth. So 10 miles out, they disappear from sight, not because they drowned, but because they're now beyond the horizon. And they drown at 12 miles. Who's more dead, me or them? We're all dead. Okay, but, but suppose, suppose there was somebody with you who was a really great swimmer, and, and that person swam 200 miles. Wow. I don't think I've ever heard of anybody swimming 200 miles. I mean, all at once? Not on a unicycle. 
I mean, you, you, you know, 200 miles? You've got to be kidding. 200 miles? Yeah, you know how that would look from up in the air? Dead. They drowned 200 miles out. What about 500 miles? Drowned. Really? Yeah, it's a long way to England. Guess what? If I compare myself to other people who are drowning, it's not going to save me. It's not going to save me. And when I stand before God, it's not going to do me a bit of good to say, well, I didn't do as bad as that person. Well, they're going to hell. And you are too. So is there any hope? Yes. There is hope. But it's not a way that we can save ourselves. It's what God did to save us. Our only hope is in Him. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is our only hope. That's why message after message, day after day, we want our focus to be on him. Well, but my family is messed up. I'm sorry. But the very first family blew it. And every family since, to one degree or another, has been dysfunctional. I got a telephone call one time from a 13-year-old girl in another state, and she said, Pastor Wood, I need help. I am stuck in a dysfunctional family. I thought, that's not usually the call I get from a 13-year-old. But it was an accurate diagnosis. The family was messed up. The mom was alcoholic. The father was too busy to deal with it. And the daughter was having to live in the midst of chaos. The first family was dysfunctional. You mean because they ate that fruit? Oh no, not just that. They had two boys. One murdered the other. I'd consider that a dysfunctional family, wouldn't you? If the news crew came around to interview the neighbors, there weren't any, by the way, but if a news crew came around to interview the neighbors and they said, what did you think? Well, I, I was really surprised. I, I knew that Cain sometimes had a temper, but I, I never would have guessed he'd do that to his brother Abel. But he did. He murdered him. Well, now, wait a minute. Does that mean we're all descended from a murderer? Nope. No, they had another child later. His name was Seth. They had other daughters, and they had, they had more family. But every one of those kids that they had turned out to have the same problem that mom and dad had developed, and that is sin. All of us, even Seth, who was the third-born son, even Seth, 
has got a sin problem. And you know you do too. But God has a solution. In grace, He chose to save us. Because He chose to love us. I don't understand how a good God could allow sickness and suffering in this world. Well, guess what? Not only is it temporary, but we've all brought it on ourselves. No, I'm suffering as a result of what someone else did. I can agree that you may be, but I'll tell you, you're not a totally innocent party. You also have done things that you know you shouldn't have done. And God's standard is one that is only met by Jesus. So I want to encourage you this day, when you encounter problems and pain and suffering and even sickness, to thank God for the reminder that something is wrong. Let the pain in this life point you to the only one who can deliver you, the only one who can save you. Because the difficulties in this life do us a kindness when they point us to our need for a Savior. If life was always comfortable, everything was all nice and happy, and then we die and go to hell, that would be dreadful. But God has done his kindness to us in keeping his word that the wages of sin is death. And so as we see that, and we say, why? God's word answers the question and points us to the God who came in search of man and provided a sacrifice so that we could be saved. Let's pray. Father, you are the only one who can save. We have no hope but you. But we thank you that in Christ Jesus, there is a solution. And one day, those who are in Christ will be with you forever. We look forward to that day. And we pray that you would give us faith, courage, to stand for you in a world that is filled with sin, and suffering, and death. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. You have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make. I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org. Thank you for tuning in to Abiding in Christ. This radio broadcast is brought to you from the campus of Wares Valley Ranch. 
The ranch is a home and school for kids that God allowed my wife and I to start in 1991. And through the years, children from all over the country in various crisis situations have found a safe haven at the ranch. While here, they learn about a Heavenly Father who loved them so much that He sent Jesus to save them. If you would like to join in supporting this ministry, but you're thinking, what can I do? Well, consider joining a growing group of people who've made a commitment to support these kids by leaving a gift to Wares Valley Ranch in their will. In doing so, you'll become a member of what we're calling Legacy 145. You can learn more at wvr.org. Just click on the icon that says Legacy 145. Because Psalm 145 says, One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. That's what Legacy 145 is all about. Again, wvr.org and look for the Legacy 145 icon.